Today I'm going to be speaking about the differences that exist between playing in a cover band and playing in an original band. I've done my fair share of playing in both types, so I feel well placed to have some insight on the matter. The first thing that I and every other person in my situation notices is that it's a lot easier to get paid playing in a cover band, but it's a lot more artistically satisfying to play in an original band. Another thing I notice is that, by and large, there are far more original bands than there are cover bands. But there seems to be far more demand from bar owners for cover bands. And I think this reflects a simple truth about the level of interest that exists for original music. It seems that most people, in general, prefer a cover band to an original band. I know there are many people that would say otherwise, but I'm going from years of experience of playing in both types of bands. I should probably qualify that I'm talking about original and cover bands at the local level. In my case, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So leave aside famous bands and national acts. Obviously, I know that people prefer seeing Tom Petty or Pearl Jam to seeing some cover band. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm addressing what I've witnessed at the local level. From what I've seen, non-musicians especially enjoy hearing their favorite songs more than hearing songs they've never heard before. They get excited, they dance, they sing along, and they buy drinks at the bar. People buying drinks at the bar is the core of the business arrangement that exists between bar owners and cover bands. Cover bands are basically charged with keeping the people that are already at the bar happily drinking. Original bands, on the other hand, are charged with bringing their own crowd. In my experience, I've seen that original music fans usually don't buy as much alcohol. They are typically more interested in the band than into drinking heavily. Most are just respectfully listening to the music while consuming a moderate amount of alcohol. This is pretty different from what happens at the typical cover band show. At a cover band show, the barflies drink with a sort of maniacal commitment. Unless we play one of their favorite songs, hardly any of them will listen with the sort of intent seen at original shows. For the most part, they'll be focused on drinking and socializing. One of the main differences between cover bands and original bands is the manner in which they get paid. Cover bands usually play for a negotiated sum, which ends up being about $150 to $200 per band member. There are very few bars that are going to pay this kind of money for original music. Original bands usually play for money collected at the door. There are many bars that specialize in original music, but they usually don't specialize in paying bands. Playing for the door and playing for exposure is playing for free. I understand that there are some local bands that have had the perfect marriage of talent, dedication, perseverance, hard work, and a little luck and have earned some degree of notoriety as a consequence. More people come to see them play so they can collect more money at the door. And I'd put the Common Heart and Recluse in that category. But most local shows don't proceed like a Common Heart or a Recluse show. Instead they have three or four bands with little to no following on the playbill and are held at places like the Brillo Box, which is a bar that can hold about 75 people. If the bands are charging $5 at the door, then the maximum the show can generate is $375. But then the bands have to pay the sound person, and that's usually about $100. So now they've got 
and if it's split between three bands, that's about $92 per band, and about $22.75 per band member. And that might be enough to cover a bar tab. If there's four bands, the numbers aren't even worth running. It's a good idea to turn down shows that have more than three bands. Such a show usually consists of endlessly navigating about a colossal pile of music gear and then being rudely rushed off stage. Given how much work it is to write and rehearse music with a band, these sorts of shows perfectly exemplify the concept of unwisely spent human energy. Don't get me wrong, I like hauling my amp up the Brillo Box stairs as much as the next guy, but we probably don't have to spend too much time on the cost-benefit analysis here. Now, I'm aware that bands like Recluse and The Common Heart have played many shows that were underpaid and overpopulated by other bands. But one of the main factors responsible for the success of these bands, in addition to their hard work and perseverance, is their planning, booking, and playing of shows in a wise manner. Neither band plays too many shows, so each feels like an event, and both bands possess a coherent approach to social networking and advertising. It also seems like the members of these bands take it seriously, and that their music projects occupy one of the primary focuses of their lives. Having full-time jobs, boyfriends and girlfriends, hobbies, etc., all the while playing in an original band, rarely works out well. Either the girlfriend, the career, or the band is neglected to some degree. In fact, I'm willing to bet that most of the strife in most musicians' relationships is born of conflicts over the amount of time and attention that their band takes up in their lives, especially when that time and attention is yielding no money. Bands that manage to be successful usually have clearly articulated goals and steely-eyed determination. They've also made decisions about their families and careers that has allowed them to focus on their original band. Successful bands are usually also clear about short-term goals, such as rehearsal schedules, shows to play or not play, songwriting, and making recordings. Sticking to what's essential is key here. Some musicians manage this balancing act, but most do not. Another factor that affects the success or failure of an original band is age. The original band enterprise is usually carried out by the 20-somethings. And this makes sense given that the late nights and the weird schedules required by playing in an original band is best managed if you don't already have a career, a spouse, and a family. Cover bands, on the other hand, are populated by and large by people beyond their 20s. And this makes sense because they can legitimize their weird schedules and late nights to their spouses and families by bringing home money. Though I might still play in an original band here and there, and I'll likely continue to produce original music, for me it's probably cover bands from here on out. Not only am I quite clear in my 20s, but I actually enjoy the work. I love exercising the raw skill that it takes to learn great songs by famous artists. And being able to recreate these songs on stage is a blast. I also enjoy getting paid for this work. And I get a sense of providing a real service by playing in a cover band. I feel this way because I'm playing music for the enjoyment of other people. In an original band, most times I'm playing music for my own enjoyment. 
I believe that the future of live music for both cover bands and original bands is ambiguous at best. Modernity has come with some rude surprises for the music industry, and I see no reason why that trend won't continue. People these days are absorbed in their smartphone-enabled stimulation and entertainment matrix. And really, I use the word matrix advisedly here. Because it sometimes seems that I'm living in a late 90s dystopia film, where everyone is possessed by some all-powerful technology demon, who is hell-bent on annihilating our ability to communicate effectively with one another. According to an Internet Trends report, people check their smartphones some 150 times per day. It seems that these devices have damaged our capacity for compassion and empathy and for connecting with our fellow human beings. People are more often engaging with each other through their social networks than engaging with one another face to face. I can't tell you how many times I've noticed tables of people all staring at their smartphones while they're out to eat together at a restaurant. It doesn't seem that modern people have the attention span to even talk to one another let alone appreciate an art form such as live music. The thing about live music, for cover bands and original bands alike, is that it requires some degree of input from the listener to be fully appreciated. There is intellectual content to be had by watching a band perform on stage. Even the lowliest Skinner dishing bar band has something to offer. People who perform music live have a skill set like no other on earth. And watching human beings unfurl this peculiar magic in real time is a fantastic experience. But it's an experience that requires an attention span. From my point of view, it seems that our attention spans have been systematically slaughtered by our smartphones. So I fear that both enterprises, cover bands and original bands, are destined to be destroyed by the modern era. Most original bands, no matter their level of fame, are forced to tour without reprieve to make ends meet. This is because of the profound changes that have occurred in the music industry over the past 15 years. Music is now free. Even established artists are having a hard time getting paid. Spotify and other services basically don't pay bands. The numbers are laughable. I read an article on digitalmusicnews.com that gave a figure of 0.004891 cents per digital stream. Now this makes sense given that I pay Spotify $120 per year, but back in the CD era, I used to spend something like $500 per year on music. CDs were $20 a piece, after all. But the CD era is long over, and the newfound hipster fascination with vinyl likely won't fill the void left by the death of the compact disc. And the record company FM radio business model is thoroughly dead. Basically, there are more ways to consume music now than ever, and there are more bands now than ever. The market is simultaneously diffused and saturated. One of the consequences of this is that there is no longer a consensus on what is good or popular. Hardly anyone listens to the same music as their neighbor. And that's new in pop music history. And for cover bands, as soon as the generation that grew up on FM radio grows old and dies, so too will the cover band. The entire business model of the cover band is predicated on recognizable songs. And for the most part, 
Modernity doesn't have recognizable songs. There are viral videos, they hit big, and then they evaporate. I can't tell you how many songs, modern songs, I've tried playing in my cover band, only to have them sink into obscurity in about a year. The first song I saw this happen with was Hey There Delilah by The Plain White Tees. This was about 10 years ago now. Well, I thought that song was going to be a classic cover band hit, on par with some of the most popular songs we play in the cover band format. But if you play Hey There Delilah in a cover band now, more often than not, you're met with a collective shrug. So too with basically every modern hit since then. There are no more Stairway to Heavens. That's all over. So, both formats, cover band and original band, are probably condemned to rumination. It's far from clear how the people of the future will consume their live music. Bars and venues in the coming decades might be equipped with artificially intelligent super bands that pipe sound directly into your nervous system, perhaps through some yet-to-be-imagined music delivery apparatus. Maybe some version of Elon Musk's Neuralink, which is to be a computer brain interface that is powered by AI. In any case, the changes we see in both original bands and cover bands will likely proceed without interruption until both enterprises have been altered completely. I think that's all I have to say on this subject. I hope that I didn't sound too cynical. I really do love playing music and seeing live bands. Maybe I'll see you or your band out at the next show.